Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Only Stupid Answers. I am DJ Wooldridge, and I have a very special guest with me today, the wonderful Raul Coley from Haunting a Bly Manor and iZombie. Rahul, say hi to the kids at home. And for anybody, I'm sure they all know who you are, but for anybody that doesn't know, tell them who you are, where they can find you, and what you're up to. Awesome. Hey, uh, so yeah, my name's Raul Coley. Uh, what am I up to? Uh, I'm working on the show right now uh, up in Vancouver. Um, and yeah, you can find me running my mouth and saying stupid stuff on um, Twitter and Instagram, which is just my name and then 13 at the end of it. Perfect. Easy to find. Yeah. I like the easy to find ones. So yeah. We'd like to start every episode uh, talking with our guests about what they are into this week, whether it's a movie or a video game. Obviously, you've been very busy, but uh, we were talking a little bit about off air about stuff you've been up to. But is there something in particular you wanted to give a shout out to? Oh, there's a couple of things. Um, over the last week or so, I've been playing. So I was playing Dark Souls. Mm-hmm. Um I have not been the most happy with my acting um, and feeling like an imposter and I shouldn't be here and I'm getting my ass kicked at work and everyone is better than me. Mm -hmm. So I decided I'm going to play Dark Souls and I'm going to finish it and I'm going to get those trophies because then at least I'll feel like a king somewhere else. Okay. Uh, to make up for it, I needed I needed an ego boost. So that's yes. why I was playing Dark Souls. Was like because I was I'm I'm killing it on Dark Souls. I'm smashing through that. Oh shit! Um, but but this week I have started playing. Uh, so uh, Bly came out the same day as FIFA 21. Yes. And um, Bly took the hit for my attention because I was like, yeah, but the new FIFA's out. Mm-hmm. So, so I've been I've been doing FIFA 21 and I've been doing Star Wars Squadrons. That's what nice. my, my week's been. Well, so that's a little... Now, I've not played the Dark Souls game, but aren't isn't that supposed to be one of the most punishing games out there? Apparently. Okay. Apparently. But, like, but I, I don't say that with it. Like, I'm not being cocky because I am getting my ass kicked. Um, it is punishing, and it's it's super cruel. Mm-hmm. But there's the, once it clicks... And the thing is, as well, the funny thing with Dark Souls... Okay, every now and again... The hitboxes don't work. There's something janky that can happen that, that causes you to die. Sure. Yeah. But for the most part, you die because you got overzealous. Mm-hmm. You tried that one extra stab to just chip away at that boss when you shouldn't have, when you know you should have backed out or rolled away and you took that one little risk and boom, you get punished. And, 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 and so when your, your frustrations aren't at the game, they're at yourself. Mm. And, I think you're almost always to blame for okay. your demise. But then, and I've not experienced this. Obviously, I play a shit ton of video games. Yeah. Um, the fun thing with these From Software games, because I was a big fan of Sekiro, played a little bit of Bloodborne, but I actually never finished any of these games because life happened, you know, I get mm. stuck and, you know, whatever. But I can't think of a game that's more personally rewarding 
each like within like every few hours something happens where you're where you celebrate when that boss goes and you get the victory sign like the the victory um, message yeah there's just this overwhelming sense of accomplishment mm-hmm. um and it's addictive i get it now because now i'm like well all right i've only got a little bit more to do on dark souls which i'm going to do this week and then i've got two and three already up and ready i've got i want to do bloodborne again I want to do Sekiro and then the first PS5 game I because uh, I have my PS5 pre-ordered. I'm going straight for the Demon Souls remake. That mm-hmm. that that looks like the most next gen title on the PS5. So I'm going to be um, a little from software boy for for a little while. I dig it. I'm into it. I'm into it. Yeah, yeah. I haven't been able to die any any game that it's the the part that people celebrate is how punishing it is. The mm. closest I've gotten to is Cuphead, which which I feel oh, like Oh yeah, Cuphead. Which I feel like a similar feeling that whenever I get through absolutely. one of those levels, I feel really good about myself. Oh, absolutely. I'll tell you one thing about Cuphead. I'm always going to have this soft spot for Cuphead. Uh, and I don't know if I've posted it. I may not have ever posted this because this is, this is cool. Yeah. yeah. The artist uh, for Cuphead, one of the artists, drew iZombie in the same style. Oh, shit. And sent it to, to me in my trailer but it's off the cast. So I didn't, I showed everyone and they were like, meh. And then I hid it and stayed quiet for three years because I waited until no one cared. And then I took the original home and framed it and put it up. And then that was it. Like no one can have it. It's yeah. Mine. It's yours now. It's uh, your, it's yours it's now. <laughs> but see, yeah. Cause I, I, I felt like if I had made a big deal out of it, when it first arrived, everyone would have been like, well, let me, I'll, I'll take it. Mm-hmm. It's like, you don't even play games. Yeah. But, um, you don't even care. You yeah. didn't like it the first time. So you don't get to but have they it. Did they did it on the the cell, right? On the oh shit, that's amazing. Yeah, and dude, I'll, I'll try and put a picture up of it on on social. It's amazing. That would be fantastic because it's like I will say that's one thing that helps with playing that game is it's so gorgeous oh, that yeah. it's hard to be mad at it because it's it's cool to be in that world. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, so that's yeah. that's the hardest game uh, I've I've dived into because normally I I want something uh, I I want my achievements to come a little bit easier. <laughs> Sure. Well, you know what? I'll, I'll admit, I think that for a game that most people played, that was punishing was God of War. Oh, All yeah. those Valkyrie fights yes. were dark. They were Dark Souls, yeah. effectively, right? And, and I mean, try, I think, did you have to kill 20 of them? I can't remember how many Valkyries there were. But, I want to um, say like nine or 12, something like that. Something like that, right? Yeah. And um, I did them all. That, that had that similar. Oh, there you go. Yeah. See, I think that's probably you your dark souls because okay. get i think getting them done was a was a challenge yeah there was a lot of uh yelling and shouting at the tv when uh, the yeah. valkyrie fights came exactly yeah those were those were crushing but uh again super rewarding right you get, yeah you get armor out of it yeah you get some uh cool armor out of it and some story stuff and i'm i'm a sucker for like um I'll open every crate. I'll look into everything. Yeah. Like I've tried to get better about as, as my time, as I grow older, my time becomes more precious. I've tried to be less that way, especially if you're playing like a red dead or a witcher. It's like, well, I got 100%. at a certain point I got to cup. I got to, I got to finish the game. Like, uh, yeah. I think yeah. it was in fallout four. There was like a quadrant of the map that I just hadn't explored. And I'm like, well, you know what? It's been like six months. So I'm just gonna, I'm just done now. <laughs> Dude. I, I, I would say the biggest reason that I, I've, I don't complete a game and walk away from something that has 60 hours in it is because of that same thing. Mm-hmm. Like I was doing um, Ghost of Tsushima, right? Mm-hmm. And I realized, I don't know, a few hours or maybe, I don't know, maybe 10 hours into Ghost, I was like, 
oh, I can platinum this. Oh, this is an easy platinum. Why not, right? So what I started doing was ignoring that objective. And I've done this countless times with other games of Assassin's Creed and all of that stuff. Uh, uh, Far Cries, I start dicking around, going off the beaten track Mm -hmm. to the point where I exhaust myself. And then because I haven't been progressing the story, there's nothing to grip me. So I effectively ruin my own experience. I've sunk 60, 70 hours. I've opened every chest. Mm-hmm. I've got, I've jumped off every freaking tower, revealed part. I've done all of those stuff. And then I'm like, mm-hmm. and then something else comes along. And I did that with The Witcher 3, man. I criminally have not, I, I've done so little of the main objective for a game that I put so many hours in and then just got bored and walked away. And and I was like, it's not the game's fault. You Mm -hmm. did that. You Mm -hmm. ruined that experience for yourself because you wouldn't drive the story forward and and connect with the character. Yeah. Yeah. There was a point in uh, Red Dead 2 where I was just doing stuff. And one of the, you know, you, uh, for those that haven't played it, you've got a little camp of other outlaws. And one of them like came running up one day and was like, Hey, do you want to get back and uh, do a mission? Like, do you want to? I was like, oh, oh shit, yeah. I guess I should go back yeah. and try and see what's happening next. The Red Dead series is one of my, is, my, is probably up there. One of my favorite games of all time, Red Dead Redemption. Mm-hmm. I loved Red Dead Redemption too. A huge, huge Western fan. Yes, same. Um, that game it didn't matter. I did go off the beach. I was fishing. I've done every hunting chat. Like that is something I will consume. And no, at no point did I. Did I ever get distracted enough that I couldn't finish it? I, I consumed that game so hard, yep. and now I've got it on PC. I'm just waiting for the right time to do it again. Mm-hmm. But I, there's going to be a PS5 remaster. There's going to be yeah, because they're doing there's going to be a ray tracing version. So I'm going to wait for that. There's a uh, they're doing the remaster for GTA 5, right? Is that rumored? Yeah, I feel like that's something I, I read. I don't know. I think I, that's rumored. I do, I, you know, because it's been so long since I played GTA Five that that that's something. I, the uh, Red Dead Two is so close. It's like I got to give myself some distance because I feel like I literally just got out of it. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. Yeah, but yeah. like GTA Five, I'm down to jump back into. But I go, yeah, Red Dead has the some of the story moments. All the elements of that is fantastic. But for me this week, the thing I'm into um, is voting. Actually, my wife and I uh, took the time to sit down with our ballots and uh, I live in California. And so sometimes you can feel a little bit discouraged. You know, you're in a blue state. You know, it's a blue state. Like something crazy would have to happen for it to not be a blue state. Um, So you're like, does this matter? But then you get into all the local things which directly impact your life. And it's really gratifying to whether things go the way you want or they don't go the way you want you feel like to, to your voice has been hurt you've lodged your opinion on a thing and as as, as high as the stakes are I, I cannot recommend enough to the audience if you're sitting at home and you're like i don't know if i'm gonna vote please for the love of god <laughs> do it especially if you're in a swing state but even if you're not in a swing state take the time and educate yourself i know with my wife and i we had kind of like a three-point system uh, where it's like we had one article open. I had uh, a more progressive group, their their opinions, uh, and she's part of a union, and they had their recommendations. And then we would research everything, and we would come to a consensus and pick a vote. And so there's, there's resources out there for you to um, find the answers you need, find the information you need to be informed going down ballot. Um, different propositions and stuff like that that will directly impact your life. Um, so if you're on the fence, if you're like, I don't know if it matters, it, it, I cannot stress it enough. It does matter. 
it will matter to you. Um, and even if you are, even when it comes to the presidential election, if you're in a blue state or a hard red state, uh, I think especially this election, every vote counts and every vote matters. So please take a second, um, figure out where you can drop it off, vote early, uh, where you can pick up your ballots, all that stuff uh, in your area. Please take a look at that. Please vote because uh, it's it's can be challenging, but it is rewarding and it will affect your life. So that's that's the thing that I'm into this week. Um, so yeah, go vote. So now let's dive into the main topic uh, for yes. today, which of course is Bly Manor, Haunting Bly Manor. Just literally just came out. Uh, you play Owen in it. Um, our audience mm-hmm. might also know you as Dr. Ravi Chakrabarty from I Zombie. So you've, are, are you a ghost boy? Do you believe in ghosts? Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I mean, I, I, this used to, I used to take this as um, red. Like I, I grew up in Britain uh, and we have a very large, large, large percentage of atheists in Europe. Yeah. Um, and then I, the culture shock for me when I came to America was, was there's a minority don't talk about atheism. Um, but so it's been coming up a lot more recently because every interview comes up and they're like, do you believe in the spirits? Do you believe in the afterlife? And I'm like, no, I wouldn't even be asked this by the British press. Um, well, you guys did it. I don't. You guys did the whole religion so, thing. You you did you 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 did it. You had your, you had your bit, and now you've moved we're on. At it and we're out. We're all out. Europe at this front. Yeah, they're they're out pretty much. But um, but yeah. So like, no, I don't. I don't. I don't believe in ghosts. I don't believe in spirits. I don't believe in anything. Um, mm-hmm. you are when you're dead. You are worms' food. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is like what it was like when you before you were born. Mm-hmm that's what death is you know it's, there's no consciousness um but in saying that watch the show it's about ghosts <laughs> well, I think yeah the, i don't know the interesting thing about the show and i think about all ghost fiction is i think the best ghost fiction obviously there's the like jump scares and all that shit but sure, i sure. think this show and haunting of hill house as well and, and any good ghost fiction ghosts work as a metaphor it could work as a metaphor for anything uh the past absolutely um uh the regrets uh, memory plays a big part um, of this particular series. And so by nesting it in that, it really doesn't matter if you believe in ghosts or not. No, it's not. It's, I mean, <clears throat> the, I guess the twist of, of the haunting series is that the haunting isn't a haunting in the sense of ghosts. Yeah. It's, it's characters that are haunted by trauma, haunted by love, haunted yeah. by missed connection, abuse and in that respect that's a very real thing that we all can connect with Um, whether it's a a hard breakup whether it's substance abuse whether it's childhood trauma we as adults are still effectively haunted by those things that have shaped who we are Um, and and that is what this show represents obviously they you know use physical manifestations for that for those types of things a good example is the um, episode that's centric to Henry Thomas's character, mm-hmm. uh, where he is haunted by his own self, his own ugly demon version of himself. I relate to that 100%. That that guy over your shoulder that's like, you're a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. You suck. Um, and um, yeah, so it's, it is, yeah, of course it's a ghost story, but it's, 
it's not really the, the it's um it's a it's all a metaphor yeah yeah and so you've done ghosts you've done zombies what's the next otherworldly threat you're gonna face what else is there um if i haven't done aliens i haven't you done haven't aliens, done aliens. I haven't done Aliens. Oh, no, I have. Man, what, I was in Supergirl. Well, you Supergirl, and didn't you, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't you voice a, 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 in Gears? Yeah. Isn't that Aliens? Yeah, because well, it's, it's, it's Neuphoria, right? It's a different planet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've done Aliens. Yeah, okay. yeah you're right. I've yeah. done Aliens. So, yeah, right. so, right. so Ghosts, uh, Zombies, Aliens. I'm just taking off all of it. I need a Frankenstein. You need a Frankenstein. Need a, a mummy. I yeah. feel like I feel like maybe maybe it's too similar to maybe like Robbie or whatever, but I feel like you are primed to do a Frankenstein, either be Frankenstein or somebody related to Frankenstein. There was another doctor I, I thought you were going to mention. I get I get fan casted a lot for this guy, and it's Mister Fantastic. Yes, Reed yes. Richards, and I know why. It's because I look like Brown John Krasinski or a better, a better resemblance, and he is the one that everyone is campaigning for, and I'm the well, if it can't be this dude, then that dude has the same sort of nose or features or whatever. And I feel like that's all it is. But the Reed Richards one, whenever I see them, it's one of the only times we fan cast. Because, it, I mean, you know, people throw out stuff because I'm British. So they'll be like, Bond! And they go for the real, like, yeah, the yeah. easiest ones, right? Um, and you're like, I've got to fucking play Bond. Um, but whenever I see Reed Richards or Doctor Who, I'm like, ooh. Yeah, I could, man. Mm-hmm. Like that, I could make that work. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, I like I like the idea of you. I, I'm gonna this. I've never said this on air. I'm not the biggest fan of the John Krasinski casting because it feels too like on the nose. You know what I mean? It's like do yeah. some do something cool with it. Do something like like uh, uh, interesting, different. Like not just. Mm the guy that was going to play Captain America and then Chris Evans got like, don't, don't do that sure. guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and I, I, I mean, a lot of fan castings go, this actor wears glasses. Yes. So or, they should, or he's bald, Lex Luthor. Yes. Or to white, like, yeah, he has played a bald man. Mm-hmm. So he must play Lex Luthor. This it's character like, has red hair is. and this com and this actor has red hair. They should be, the, and it's like, well, that's not. They're Jean Grey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, that's not how it should work. Yeah. I, I agree with you. You got to think about like what makes the what what makes the character tick, um, and also uh, you're an actor. You can play multiple different types of characters. Apparently, that's not always true. <laughs> that doesn't always work. So but, yeah. uh, let's talk a little bit, as much as we can, about Midnight Mass, um, which mm. is the thing you're working on right now. You're you're literally um, on location right now. I cannot say a single thing about the show. Um, the only thing that we're allowed to point people towards is the synopsis. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think Netflix released. It's about things happening on a small island when a priest arrives. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's 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 Mike Flanagan. Um, here, the casting in this show is. I have never had my ass kicked this hard on a, on a set before. Yeah, I've been intimidated. Like I've worked with people and I've been like, whoa, okay. I'm with I'm with some 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 big heads right now. These these are these are proper actors. Yeah. I've never seen it where like everyone on the call sheet that day is better than you and you know it and they know it and the crew knows it and it's crushing my soul. So that's why I went and played Dark Souls because I was like, well, I'm better at fucking video games than them. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, literally it's, 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 it's just, it's shrouded in secrecy and for good reason. Um, but uh yeah, it's um, it's 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 Mike. So yeah. you know what to expect from Mike. 
so I got. I want to ask you a little bit about when you talk about you know these other other actors like they're they're crushing or whatever. As an actor, when you're what what does that look like for you? Like what are you what do you look for in another actor that you're like, oh damn, they're killing it. It's for me. It's commitment. Mm. It's the commitment. You you set up and you get there and it's blocking. And, you know, you guys are blocking the scene out in the morning, and then there's a shift where you're like, "All right, well, let's uh, let's try a little rehearsal here," and then that guy just goes, or gal just goes, and then they serve. It's like tennis, man. It's like their serve, their Roger Federer or their Nadal. That serve when they first hit you with their first line has so much weight and power. And they go bang and they hit you with it. And you're like, oh my God. And you try and hit it back. And you're like, that, that it's, it's this, this, it's, it's an energy thing, man. And you're like, you, you end up a lot of the time, particularly on Midnight Mass, a lot of the time I've sat there and I'm, I, I, I flip out a character to becoming an audience member. Mm. And I forget that I'm supposed to be like doing something. And I'm just like, so this person is delivering this scene to me in my eyes and I'm just captivated. Mm -hmm. And nine times out of 10, I'm like, oh fuck. Uh, Yeah, uh, can we go back? Sorry, I forgot. I need to like, I need to respond to this. And yeah, it's just like certain people just bring that man. They, they're like a hurricane. They come to set and they're, they're just living it and owning it and they're just so committed. And I mean, I'm seeing, again, I can't really talk about the show. I'm getting massive trouble, but I'm seeing a lot of performances right now and I've never experienced this before. I'm like Emmy, Mm -hmm. Emmy, Golden Globe, Emmy, just across the board. Um, I'm, I am in a very, very, like if I ever felt like I might have been at some point in certain things, you know, a, a, a bigger fish in a small pond. Mm. I've got what I wished for. Now I'm a, a freaking shrimp or seahorse in the ocean and I'm, and I'm drowning and I'm so like, there is <laughs> like, this was, you know, be careful what you wish for. for yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. But it, don't yeah. you think on, on a certain level, it's like a, a game recognizes game thing. Like, like, do you feel like it, it's helping you because i know when i when i work with somebody that that's just way it's just way better than me and it happens yeah. all the time uh yeah 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 uh that you you, ho- you hope that it's like well this this is making me better <laughs> that's it, what you'd hope yeah so i hope that through just mere just out of like survival instincts something inside of me has raised its game because otherwise i'm gonna just be you know destroyed when 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 the show comes out um i hope so that's me being an optimist mm. really it's just been it's 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 been a it's been a it's been an interesting one man i mean yeah we're we've still got a, a ways to go to finish but yeah but it's 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 definitely i i i feel the best way to describe midnight mass and my experience there is um i am effectively drowning every day and I, but I've just got my nose above the water and I can just about keep my head there, keep up with everyone and what yeah. they're doing. Uh, and I feel like if I just come to set one day without my A game, I will, I will sink and, and I'm out. And that, that's, and as an artist as well, man, it's a real, it's an interesting place to be because I know a lot of my peers and I know a lot of people I've worked with, they're comfortable. 
mm. you know, and, and you get, you know, acting is a very unstable job. You don't know where your next paycheck's coming from. It's yeah. fickle, man. Like for, out of nowhere, they can, people just decide, nah, we're done with you. Yeah. And everything you've ever had is just gone. Phone stops ringing. You hear that time and time and time again. And then I, I you know, I've, I, I know a lot of people who are just like, I can feed my family. I got, I can pay my mortgage and I'm good. I don't want to, I don't want to rock the boat. I'm just going to do this. I know I'm good at this and I'm going to stick with this network. I'm going to stick with this style of show or this genre. And that's acting. And, and for me, I wanted that. Sure. I wanted that stability, but I'm at a point now where I'm, I guess I am risky and I don't have a family to feed. And mm-hmm. so I'm sort of like, fuck it. If I'd rather be challenged i'd rather take risks i'd rather fail if people think i'm terrible so be it i'll learn i'll try and get back into the game um i think as an artist you should be excited you should be scared and i think it could bring out your best work hopefully um but yeah i'm not about to just like do another five ravis mm-hmm. that doesn't fucking interest me i didn't become an actor to do the same thing over and over and over and over again. I also didn't become an actor to stay on a season of, for a TV show for 10 years. Yeah. I, I was getting bored on iZombie halfway through. Mm-hmm. I was like, what's the next guy yeah. to figure out? What's yeah. the next thing? So, <clears throat> and that's the great thing about like, about working with Mike. Yeah. Um, he's not asking you to come back and, and, and pull the same trick. Yeah. Uh, and that's challenging. And that's where I think you, you become a better actor is, is Mike is asking you to push it. I know this isn't in your wheelhouse, but I think you can do it. So yeah. go for it. Hell yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I love it. I love. Well, speaking of that, we had a question from our Discord from Brenda, uh, and she mm. wants to know what it's like to work with the same director on multiple projects, going from Bly Manor to Midnight Mass, uh, and how it's similar and how the experience has changed for you. And and it sounds like part of it is that idea of like, okay, I know you can do Owen, now do da da da. It's so so. What people probably don't realize with um, with 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 Bly, so so Mike directed all episodes of hill house yeah um from start to finish i think it's a 10 episode arc something like that it, it was it nuts was 10 on yeah it yeah was, it was impressive we were we were nine mm-hmm. but mike only did the first step because okay. mike took a step mike wanted to like oversee and he had other projects and stuff like that yeah. so when it came to when it came to blind manor another thing that mike wanted to do was uh which was incredibly brave of him and also shows what kind of a generous man, just like the kind of guy he is, you know, he blows up, Hill House comes out, yeah. right? And now he's, he's hot property. Here, make the Shining sequel. Here, mm-hmm. do Doctor Sleep, yeah. do this. And everyone, his name now, when you go, you know, created by Mike Flan, that, that means something, especially mm-hmm. with that genre. So he gets the second season, which is probably going to have more viewership than anything he's done based off the first work. Yeah. And he decides that I'm going to take four or five indie filmmakers that I respect. 
and I'm going to give them a platform to make what they can with these episodes. So Mike starts, does our effectively our pilot of Blind Manor. So my three, four scenes in that first step, that's my all my work with Mike done. Mm. Obviously, we had many conversations prior to that in terms of the character that he, you know, he wanted and what I could bring to it and, 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 and trying to figure out who Owen was and, and, and stuff. And every now and again, I would check in with him and we'd talk and tell me about what he'd seen. So he was very much present, but in terms of the actual directing experience, by episode two, we had a director, Kieran Foy. He did a couple and then we had another director, Liam, he came in and we had Ben Yolanda, they did a block. And all of these, all of these directors had you know, some indie horror films here and some indie horror films there. And then they got, hey, go and make, go and make uh, uh, two episodes of, of Blind Manor for me, mm-hmm. which was, I think, incredible. He's just given, given these guys an opportunity to be seen by, by a bigger audience when he didn't necessarily have to. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was my experience working with Mike, was the first ep, the first few weeks, where every, you know, everything is still sort of like being figured out. Mm-hmm. But I spotted something, and I remember calling... I remember who I was talking to. I knew on my second scene, my first scene I did with Mike was was in the car with Danny, with Owen driving Danny. Mm-hmm. And then my second scene on my second day with Mike was when I was putting food on the table for, for the cast. And he started sizing me up and I knew I was being sized up. I was like, what, what, what's this? Why is he looking at me like this? What are we talking about? And then he, and then that was it. And then a few months later, I'd get a text or an email from Mike. And then somewhere between the middle of, of Bly, he hit me up about Midnight Mass and would like to speak to me. So I flew to LA and we had a meeting. And then he pitched, he pitched me the show and I said yes on straight away. Even though he hadn't, he was like, well, wait, you need to read the scripts and you need to speak to, you know, your team. I was like, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Do not cast another person. I want this. I'm saying yes now. Um, and now I'm working with him. He's directing every episode. Now awesome. I'm working with Mike. Um, and he's fucking incredible. Man. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great. He's, 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 a, he's, a, he's a surgeon. That's what I've been calling him. He has this thing. Um, sorry, I'm turning this into a super long answer. No, it's fine. But, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, so yeah, he, has this, he, he has this thing where, you know, I'll work with other directors. And I mean, on, on iZombie, I had a new director every week. Mm-hmm. So I've effectively worked with like 30, 40 different types of directors now. Yeah. And a lot of them, no disrespect to them, but a lot of them, they come in, they let you do your thing. And then they'll look at the scene you're working on and they'll have notes and they'll come over and they'll be like, hey, I was wondering if maybe in this part here, you speed this up or you do this, you do that, and then pick up the pace here. I actually think you might've had a wrong read on that line. I think that maybe, what do you, what do you think about this? And that's as good as you get. Yeah. Uh, and they so they massage it and they, they turn that scene and they refine it. What Mike does is you come in, you do your rehearsal and then somewhere along the way, and he's like, great, I like it. Let's, let's run with it. You do a couple more takes and then Mike will come along, whisper something in your ear, so small and so precise. I mean, his notes are so concise and he'll be like, have you considered that the character feels like this? And dude, it's not just massaging a beat. Mm-hmm. He effectively, in a sentence, gives you these epiphanies that change everything from the beginning the scene starts to it ending. And you're like, I never considered that. Holy crap. Like, and you feel terrible because you're like, I wish I had thought of that when I was reading this last night. Mm-hmm. He can just change an entire scene. He can almost change a character with like one note. that, And he's just so good at it. So he's like, like I said, he's a surgeon, man. He can come in. 
with a scalpel and do one thing and save your life. It can yeah. just save a scene. And it's just like, it's mind blowing. And honestly, like, yeah, me and Michael, obviously we're getting on, we're very early into our working relationship, but yeah. that is, that is a person that if I only did Mike Flanagan projects for the next decade, I'll be all right. You'd be feeling I'd pretty be good than, about I'd, it. I'd be more than happy with that. I'm fine. I'm good. Well, I'm happy. I'd, be, I'd be happy. Before we move off of, of Bly Manor, I, I got to ask you, obviously, as a, a fan of these shows, um, obviously, it's fun to try and catch the hidden ghosts, but I can't yeah. help but wonder, like, what the fuck that's like to film it? Like, like I don't know. Did you film a scene with one of the hidden ghosts? And is one of those, like, yeah. don't don't worry about the guy just standing back there in the Plague Doctor outfit. Don't, don't worry about it. Like, yeah, what yeah, is that yeah. like? So they it's i had a very different experience to maybe my cast i'm very i'm easily distracted right i'm hyper i was i spent most of my time playing thumb wars with the kids between takes and making fart noises and farting do just i i'm that's me i like to have fun i like to try and keep it as as pure to the art as possible which is it's just pretend let's have a laugh and let's be loose and, and, and have a good time and then on top of that as I'm so professional, I'll have an earpiece and I'll be listening to the Liverpool game. <laughs> so I'm super distracted all the time. And I'm like, what's going on there? This is in a, uh, and then, and then, you know, when the cameras are rolling, we're rolling. So I would always somehow miss the note that a doll faced boy is going to be put in the scene. So I'd be doing the scene for two hours and then I'd get up and they were like, all right, cool. We're going to take a break. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to turn around and, and get another angle. I'll get up and there's a child under the table and I'm like, for fuck's sake. And I hadn't realized that they'd been there for a few hours because I'm just so unaware of everything around me. Um, so it was always a surprise to like, yeah, finish a scene and then Plague Doctor had been there. And I'm like, oh shit, Liam's been there standing in the corner the whole time. <laughs> What's up, bruv? Like, I just, uh, it's no disrespect. I'm just, I'm just so absorbed in my own world that I, yeah, I barely noticed when they were being put in. So you're just as surprised as the audience, more so because mm-hmm. they're, they're there with you. I liked uh, mild spoilers for those listening that have not watched uh, the show. I, I did like the scene when um, Flora is meeting the faceless boy and she's like, oh, here, this will make it better. And she chooses the creepiest doll face. And that's like, horrifying. That, you didn't fix it. He was better. You should have just left him face. I, I wish there was like a, a, a row and it was like leather face mask, Jason, Mike, Mike, you know what I mean? And yeah. then she's like, uh, screen mask, <laughs> this one. This and one. Creates an even more creepier one goes, there you go. That's, Perfect. That's what I want to look at now. <laughs> this yeah. won't keep me up at night at all. Exactly. No worries. So uh, this week there was an article by The Cut that talked about you being Hollywood's bad boy. And I got like I think I think it's fair to say I think you would agree with me that in their own ways both Owen and Dr. Chakrabarty are are adorable they're they're lovely people yeah. is do you want do you want to play more of a bad boy do you want to like show up on Peaky Blinders and like shank a guy like is that is that something that like you're looking to do so that nickname is ironic right mm-hmm. it only took on because when I was this fresh faced day one I zombie guy and playing this cinnamon roll um puppy dog i remember having a conversation with one of my castmates about you know what you want mm-hmm. like, what do you want and i think i just said in the green room i was just fucking around i was like you know just once I'll, i want an article right that says 
Hollywood's bad boy role, Coley stumbles out of nightclub drunk, right? Mm -hmm. And then they couldn't stop laughing because they're like, but you're adorable. And I was like, I know, but I was just saying, just once I want to be referred to that. And then Rose made that nickname stick Mm -hmm. because she started using it for like things I would do that were rebellious that weren't cool. So the first time it happened that the name started sticking was because she fucking Rose remembers everything. It's like a year later. I'm sitting in my lab coat. It's white. <clears throat> and we have the uh, a hot snack arrives for the cast and crew while we're, we're shooting into the night. Yeah. And it was a it was a, an Indian butter chicken curry, right? Mm. Messy fucking thing to eat. And the, the costume department ran over. But as I had my, you know, we were sitting there, me and Rose, and we were about to eat <clears throat> on set. And she's like, hey, can we can we get the lab coat off and can we just put a bib on you just in case it gets anywhere? Because it's bright white and stuff. And I was like, fuck off. I'm good. Don't worry about it. I'm not a child. First spoon went straight down the lab coat, right? And Rose said something like, Hollywood's bad boy doesn't need a bib. And that's where, so then anything I did where I messed up something stupid, Hollywood's bad boy. So that's where the nickname's from. So it's not because I beat people up and, you know, ride motorcycles or have cocaine-fueled prostitute parties in my apartment. You do all those things, but it's not because of that. <laughs> That's not why I have that nickname. Um, but but what people don't realize is that I'd say my strength as an actor, my wheelhouse, is playing intimidating characters. I did it a lot on stage. Yeah, I can be so fucking scary and intimidating. Mm-hmm. And it's a self-defense mechanism being picked on, growing up in London, always getting into scraps. I learned a way to bark louder and scare people off. There's no bite to that. It's mm-hmm. just barking. And I learned how to use that as a way to get my distance from people. I learned a way to, 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 to not be prey. Malcolm, my co-star, knows that that's in my wheelhouse because he's seen me audition for stuff and he's seen that I can do that. But the industry hasn't, I haven't been able to show that mm-hmm. because I'm Sweet Cinnamon Roll, Ravi and Owen. Mm-hmm. But it's there. And for the right project, I, I'm, I'm hoping one day I can go, oh, you want to you wanna see what I can really do? All right, watch this. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping, but it's got to be for the right thing. I don't just want to yeah. do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel that. I feel that. The other thing that stood out to me reading the article is, uh, obviously, you and I have met before, so I know uh, you're a tall boy. I am also a tall boy. I'm 6'6". Six, six. You are? You're 6'4". Yeah, you're taller than me. 6'4". Six, 6'4". Four. Six, four. Uh, yeah, also, yeah. the other thing that stood out is that we're both Scorpios. Uh, for whatever. Oh, shout out Scorpios. Yeah, for whatever that's worth. Uh, but I know with me, whenever I have to take like photos with people, like promotional shit, I always have to like do a weird like stance, be like, hey. Yeah, the hunch. Yeah, we're all roughly the same height, even though we're, because for people that don't know in in this industry in, in LA or whatever, uh, a lot of actors and talent are incredibly short people. <laughs> They're very short. Uh, so for when you're filming, uh, Bly Manor or anything do they have to do things that were like make it look like your castmates are like or even roughly the same height as you so weirdly I zombie we did do that we had to have apple boxes and things mm-hmm. um because Rose is pretty small mm-hmm. um and yeah so that's where that played we were doing that kind of thing on Bly it was fine because I was working with kids. Yeah. And it was mainly, it's, it's when it's boys. It's when I'm, I'm working with leading men that are like five, seven. Mm-hmm. That's what, cause no one cares when it's with a woman. They do actually love interests. They yeah. do my app. They apple box, my love interests 
on whenever we're doing like kissing scenes and stuff like that because otherwise it looks ridiculous right mm-hmm. um but weirdly so on Bly uh Oliver Jackson Cohen who played Peter Quinn yeah he is six three Damn. six two six three so he was a big boy mm-hmm. and on Midnight Mass Hamish is six five. Oh shit so on the on the Flanagan shows there, there's a lot of big boys anyway. Yeah. And it, I think Michael Truco is six foot two, six foot one. Like everyone's, he, all his guys usually are like are six footers. Yeah. So it's not, it's, it was, yeah, it's, 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 it, they haven't had to do anything there. All the guys seem to be of a, uh, uh, above six foot for some reason. Yeah. Which, which in normal conditions, being above six foot is, is just normal tall. It's just when you're around like yeah. other actors, it's like, well, I'm, and I don't know about you, but like, I don't perceive myself as being particularly tall. And then you'll see pictures like, oh shit, I'm like, I dwarf yeah, everybody. Absolutely. absolutely. But in, in, on, on Midnight Mass, I feel small mm-hmm. because of Hamish. Because <laughs> Hamish is huge. Um, it's, it's, it's a very strange feeling. Like when I met you, it's very strange when someone's taller than me. Yeah. It never happens. And then when it happens, you're like, Someone being able to be there and you're it's just, it's so off. It, yeah. Yeah. Because you're not, you're not, you're, you're so used to your paradigm. There was, um, I think it was the, it was the premiere or like an event for last Jedi. And, uh, we had been invited to go and I was standing there and a guy came up behind me and he was a full head taller than me. And it was this weird, like almost like a fight or flight mechanism kicked in. Like yeah. I, he wasn't doing, he was just standing there and I felt like, threatened and i found out later yeah. that was the new chewbacca that was the that was the new kid chewbacca <laughs> and he was standing behind me i was like because you're not like you said you're not used to it you're like where, where where'd you come from you take it for granted because you just in every elevator in every grocery store nine times out of ten being six foot four you are the tallest when i i feel the tallest i'm more aware of my height when i go when i used to go out like, like to nightclubs yeah because there's a sea of people and for some reason you can see over everyone and no one else can see over you, right? You just, mm-hmm. You're just right there with it. And then every now and again, so you just get used to it and yeah. it's it's nothing to brag. Who gives a shit? It's just yeah. height. It's not like you've done anything to achieve <laughs> it. You just get used to your eyeline being higher than most people. Yeah. And then, yeah, every now and again, someone comes up and goes, what's up? Yeah. And they're like that. And there's this like, you feel like you're in prison or something. You're like, okay, cool. Don't start on me. I'm good. Have my food. It's all like it's strange because you're just not used to it. Did you get a lot uh, for me growing up? A lot of people were like, "Oh man, you must play basketball." And I'm like, "Motherfucker, look at me. Do I look? Do I look like I have the coordination for that?" Did you get well, a dude, similar thing? Like, you must be athletic. Like, what the fuck? Unless you are, I'm hundred percent. No, 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 hundred percent. I'm useless to sports because I grew up. I, I didn't have a growth spurt. Mm. But what had happened to me was I, I hit six four at fourteen fifteen mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. size thirteen feet. Yep, yep. So yep. I stopped in my team, but I was also chain smoking by the time I was fifteen sixteen, and I partly was doing it to stunt my growth. I swear to you, one yeah. of the biggest reasons I smoked was to be going to stunt your growth. And I was like, good. I don't want to have size 17 feet and be seven foot. Yeah. I'm, at this rate, if I'm 13, 14, 15, and I'm six foot four, I'm taller than both sides of my family. Mm-hmm. I'm bigger and stronger than my own dad. Mm-hmm. I was like, so yeah, anyway, so, but everyone assumed I was athletic, but actually I remember a doctor had said, I still had the muscle of a child in a man's body. Mm-hmm. So I was weaker than most kids. Yeah. I couldn't run. I couldn't lift my limbs the same way. So I couldn't run as far. I wasn't developing. I, I, it took a long time for the rest of me, my biology to catch up to the, to the, to the shell that I am. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I was useless at sports. I still am. The only thing that I found out as a 30-year-old because of uh, Malcolm, who played Clyde Babineau, because he's a boxer, yeah. was he bought me boxing mitts. And it turns out I can fight like a motherfucker. Yeah, I believe it. So I started doing kickboxing and stuff, and I didn't realize. I was like, oh, man, I wish I'd taken this when I was a fucking kid because yeah. I'm pretty damn good. But, yeah, sports-wise, I don't. But what's, what blew my mind is um, I went to see – Golden State play the Raptors, I think, mm-hmm. up in up in Van. They yeah. came up here, and Steph Curry, I knew, is my height. Mm-hmm. So I know that we're big boys in life. Mm-hmm. And then, but when you see Steph Curry on the court, he looks like five six. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. how big everyone else is in the NBA. Just because you're six four, six nope. six, Doesn't you're matter. on the smaller side of that scale anyway. Yep, yep. It's it's wild. So whenever I see him on TV, it makes me laugh. I'd be like. That's how small I'd look as a person. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, because it's it's just a different way to gauge. I, I was thrown off a little bit at the again minor spoilers uh, for Bly Manor at the end. Uh, the it, it threw me off for a second because you realize it's I, I, the I, way, know what, I know what you're gonna say. I I, I, gonna say. I interpret at first I was like, wait, are you trying to tell me that he aged? Because that's not how things work. And then I was like, oh, it's this is the quote unquote real version of him because it's like he. he they don't look alike, and he like lost a foot. Like it can't be who he aged into. No, <laughs> I mean I don't want to fucking get. I'm not going to go into that. But like, um, yeah, like I mean, they, they you know, at, at some point, I, I I think one, it's intentional. Mm-hmm. That's the main thing, because I I said to Mike, like, yo, uh, again, this is spoilers. I said to Mike, prosthetic me up, man. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll play older me. Of course I want to play older me. Why yeah. wouldn't I? Yeah. And he's like, no, because I don't want the audience to even see you. Yeah. I don't want them to go, ah, mm-hmm. that's them. He survives. It can't look like me. Yeah. That's why it's, you know, that's, that's why it's got to be what it is. Yeah. And it makes sense when you say that, because otherwise, why didn't we all just prosthetic up? And, yeah. and, and, and you know, Amelia's playing herself and, you know, yeah. so, so, so it was intentional. It's just to throw you off the set. Yeah. It is what it is. But the, the, the height thing was funny because, like, initially, when we did the morph, yeah, right, mm-hmm. where there's mm-hmm. a moment where you go, ah! Yeah. Um, they had Kamal, who played the older version of me in that in that scene, yeah. standing. <laughs> and I remember hearing the director at the time say that, and I was like, can't do that. Mm-mm. Sit him down. Why? I was like, because he's about to shrink when yeah. you do the morph. He's yeah. about. I'm about to. He's about to just drop a foot. Yeah. Um. So that's why I'm. At, I, I. I was like, no, no, no. Table. Yeah, yeah. Do it on the table. That way, it masks the fact that we're about to shift high. Yeah. But it was intentional. So it's not like it's not one of those like bad casting gotcha moments. Yeah. It isn't. That's why I'm happy to like. You know, that's why it is what it is. It's like, yeah, yeah. you're not supposed to go. That's Roll Coley at the beginning. Yeah. That's older him effectively the entire fucking season is ruined because you know who survives and who's not. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and once, once it kind of clicked in that idea of like, it's almost like when you're, when you're like casting a reenactment, like you're casting a different actor as the real one. And it also does the cool thing of it kind of throws into you, your narrator's a little bit unreliable. So you don't kind of know what's what did or didn't happen. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we got a question here from Danny about, uh, uh, how did you come to voice Scarecrow on the Harley Quinn show? Um, yeah, and was Scarecrow your first choice? It was really great hearing you on that show. And now, now I can't help but like 
think of Scarecrow as British. Like I'm like, oh, that's great. Of course he would be. How did how did you get involved in that? And did they come to you with Scarecrow or Scarecrow like a character? You're like, oh, I want that. So that show was made by um, uh, three people. So Patrick, Justin, uh, and Dean, who uh, all all three of the, uh, those guys worked on iZombie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin and Patrick were were brought on um, for their comedy chops as writers and stuff. So they were punching up our scripts. Dean was also, was, was, was I think at some point, was EPing for us as well. He was exactly producing on iZombie. And they were fucking hilarious, man. Like, especially when we got the Justin and Patrick episodes, we were like, shit, dude, these guys are fucking great. So I had a good relationship with them anyway and Dean. Yeah. And then when they got Harley Quinn, uh, they were they were saying like, you know, we 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 want we want you to to play because obviously I was one of the comedic relief in my zombie and they wanted to bring that over. So initially, I was sent an audition for Riddler. Mm. I still had to audition. This wasn't like an offer or anything. They just wanted to like because they saw so you know when you're playing with the DC world, you, there's no offers unless you know it's not one of those things. Yeah. So so yeah, they sent me the Riddler, and I I put it up and nothing. And I was like, well, that was my shot to be with, to work with these guys on Harley Quinn. Good luck. <laughs> uh, and then maybe a month later, they were like, we got it. Can you read this? And it was Scarecrow. And in it, so this isn't me. I, I, I don't take credit for anything. In it, they said, we want kind of like a Cockney boy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is so weird. Why are they doing a fucking Cockney? So I, I did a tape for them and I sent it off. And then within a week or so, they're like, yeah you're in we want this this is what we want um and it it, i was scared man because i know what it's like when you change things you know like even killian murphy i mean they got an irish dude and he's doing an incredible american accent you don't make jonathan crane british all of a sudden yeah so i didn't know how it's going to be received but it seemed to be received quite well yeah um and the idea was as i never got to explore so i don't know if i should say this but I decided to play Scarecrow like someone who sells drugs in London. Mm-hmm. So there was a cocaine personality to him. And I think they took him out, but there was a lot of sniffs and stuff going on too. So it's like, oh, I don't know, you know, just sort of, so there was all of that going on. Cause I was like, he's just pushing his drugs, his fear toxins. Yeah. Uh, and the idea for me was, I was like, if you ever, if you ever got to see Jonathan Crane, I would go into stereotypical British doctor <laughs> and you'd have this duality of the drug pushing scarecrow, uh, cocaine personality versus the, the learned British doctor. I love it. Um, but the coolest thing that those guys do, and I have to give them a fucking shout out for this, man. You go and I voice the character and it's done. And then there's a scene, which I'm not a part of, right? Uh, it was a flashback of Harley at Arkham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's see season all two. The characters, yeah, you see yeah. all the characters in Arkham Asylum. And you see Scarecrow in a, in a, in a short sleeve shirt. Mm-hmm. He's got my skin tone. Mm-hmm. But he's behind glass. And I reached out to the boys and I was like, wait, 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 before I fucking get too excited here, is that the tint of the glass or have you made him my skin tone? And they were like, any actor who voices our characters the characters become their ethnicity. Nice. That's it. We're not, you're not white facing and we're not doing that. Yeah. And I was just like, so you've made Jonathan Crane a British Indian. I, 
fuck it. Like, mm-hmm. I just thought that was so solid of them. And I was like, I, I, yeah, it was amazing. I'm hoping for more, uh, again, not to spoil that show, but there's little chance of your character showing up. I mean, it's a DC universe. Anything could happen. You know what I mean? There could be a crisis event and you come back, but I'm hoping for more flashbacks with your character. Cause I, I really, uh, uh, props to that show for be- being willing to go all out when it comes yeah. to the violence and the death, but I would like to see Scarecrow show up again. Yeah, man. I, I'm, I'm sure there's always flashbacks and stuff mm-hmm. and, and, and I've got a good relationship with those guys and they were texting me, you know, uh, Justin was texting me about Blind Manor and, yeah. Um, and the character was received well, but I wouldn't be upset if I didn't come back because mm. I had a great fucking time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's the show. It's funny, man. Like, because no one really watched Thy Zombie. Uh, I did. No I loved played. it. You did. <laughs> yeah. In all fairness, DJ did. Yeah. But like Gears again, like my community in terms of like other actors and, and producers and writers, they work. They don't play Gears of War. Yeah. So no one ever on set tells me they love me in the thing, right? Because mm. I'm always new. They're just like, what have you been in? Oh, mm. what the fuck's an eye zombie? Yeah. Harley Quinn, and I messaged the boys about this. I was like, Harley Quinn's the first time you gave me a credit that other people kept coming up to me about. Because on Midnight Mass, Mike came up and and uh, Trevor Macy, the producer, and Kate Siegel, and a few others have been like, we're watching Harley Quinn, and it's fucking great. And it's the first time I've had my peers and people and colleagues like something I've done in the past. So I appreciate what Harley Quinn did. It gave me a, a little bit of bragging rights on set to be like, yeah, I'm scared of crow. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. And well, now you've got Bly Manor. So now it's just, and then I'm assuming Midnight go. Mass will be the next thing. and It'll just keep going. So last well, we'll thing, see. we got a question from Danny Boy and we just, we, we circled back to Midnight Mass. What is it? He says, uh, he asked you with the pandemic, pandemic, what have, have been, your any new hobbies or things you've tried out, which we talked a little bit about, um, you know, the gaming and stuff like that. I want to know what is it like because sets are kind of opening back up. You're filming uh, Midnight Mass in this weird time that we live in. What is it like to film a show in the middle of a pandemic? Um, it's different. <laughs> um, we we Midnight Mass. Uh, I believe we went into lockdown in America and Canada. And I want to say it was the 14th or 13th of March. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember that day because it was our table read for mm-hmm. Midnight Mass. We were all set up. And then I think the table read was like a Thursday or a Friday. And first day of production was that Monday and that weekend. And then boom, lockdown. Yeah. We all dispersed as quick as we could and were told, everything's on hold two weeks, two mm-hmm. weeks turned into one month, turned into three months, turned into four months. Yeah. And eventually Netflix and SAG and, and, and everyone else and the Canadian government put together a, an idea. Like what can we do safely? How can we make, how can we make this safely? So we, we were effectively, you know, one of the Guinea pigs, like can you effectively make something safely and have everyone uh, protected? Um, uh and they have for the you know we we've been very fortunate we there's a lot of ppe mm-hmm. um ppe only comes off for for acting yeah and that it's back on um uh covid tests all the time yeah. um um i effectively bubble so it's it's sort of the same model that the athletes are doing right like yeah. um we're all away from our families and I basically live in this apartment. Yeah. I don't go anywhere except to set and then back. 
Um, I do not want to be the one that gets ill and then causes our momentum to stop or anything like that. So we're all all being incredibly safe. No one's taking any risks. Um, And the truth is, is once you get used to the you know, N95 mask here and a face shield there and yeah. all the extra things that have changed now and the way that we used to do things before just can't work right now. Once you get used to that, it just gets back to business as usual. Yeah. And I've got used to running lines with a face shield on with my co-stars and they've got used to being isolated in your trailer when you're not, instead of everyone hanging out in green rooms that are packed, they're all, it's all gone. But yeah. you get used to it and you just do the job. But it's more so... I mean, I'd rather be uncomfortable and, and be like, this is a weird way to work than not at all. Because yep. it's a great show and, and we're very fortunate that it didn't get completely freaking just destroyed by it. So yeah. that's one of the reasons I'm being super protective, super safe. Yeah. And, my, and my co-stars are and everyone else on, and the crew are because we, we want to make the show and we don't want to compromise that. And we also yeah. want to be safe and we also don't want to get anyone ill. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's how it's been going. Well, I'm really excited to see it. Before we wrap up, remind the kids at home where they can find you uh, and and what and other than Midnight Mass, what they should check out. Uh, yes, yeah, so you can find me on uh, Instagram and Twitter, being a dickhead. Uh, the handle is uh, my name, Roll Coley and 13. Right now, you can check out uh, The Haunting of Blind Manor, which dropped on Netflix last week, and that's available to binge. Uh, you can also check out iZombie, if you feel like check- that's a bit of fun. And then there's Gears you can play, and you can also watch Harley Quinn, yes. which I think is on HBO Max now. It is. Yeah, it's coming to HBO Max, which is great. And it's coming to HBO Max, and it's on DC Universe still, right? Yes. 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 Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would highly recommend anyone who is looking for their Rick and Morty fill or anything like that to check out Harley Quinn. It is, it is a fantastic show. I'm immensely proud of it. I'm a fan of that. It has nothing to do with me being a part of it, of a couple of episodes. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Well, uh, you can follow me at DJ talks trash. You can follow this show at only stupid answers everywhere that matters. But on Twitter, you're going to want to yank the vows out of stupid. There's new podcast episodes every Monday. Uh, I think we wrapped up all our reviews for the boys and we've got uh, as of this uh, episode, we will have done our last review for Lovecraft country. So take a look at all of that. Um, please share this episode out and thank you all for listening. And Raul, thank you so much for joining me. It was f- amazing having you on the show. Oh, pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. All right, we'll see you all next time. Bye-bye.